podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I am Tom Holmes. Joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how's things with you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good to um, you know, be talking on a podcast after the back of a Liverpool win rather than two disappointing results against uh, Swansea and West Brom, so that's always a positive. Yeah, always is. And a really, really good result for Liverpool it was against Huddersfield, especially with some of the other results going our way. And joining myself and Leanne this week is Hamza a regular on this show? Hamza, how are you, my friend? Very good, thank you. And uh, yeah, those uh, those other results that went our way were quite pleasing yesterday, especially the Chelsea one, which has put us in third by by, by some some fluke. Uh, but yeah, really pleased to be on. Um, I think it was on Wednesday. It was on Tuesday night as we were beating Huddersfield. It was either one 0 or two 0 And my dad came in and said, "Oh, you only need to score three more goals to get third or something like that." And I turn around, oh, come on, Chelsea could lose 3-0 tomorrow, sarcastically. And um, obviously that ended up happening, um, which is just absolutely hilarious and brilliant, frankly. Um, so we'll start with uh, with you, Hamza, and we're going to talk about Daniel Sturridge, who has been uh, a personal favourite of a lot of Liverpool fans over the years, a lot of people in this, uh, in the writers. for uh, And I know all three of us really, really like Daniel Sturridge. So um, you wrote on Sturridge this week. Uh, as it as he was announced on loan to West Brom, with presumably the aim of making that permanent in the summer. So Hamza, uh, take it away. Your thoughts on uh, on Danny Sturridge? Uh, so Daniel Sturridge, he's been a divisive figure amongst the club and the fans for quite a while now, and I think it's a real shame that he is because, uh, as I point out in the article, he's a fantastic player, and the way the fan base is split on him illustrates that. Uh, I believe that the people that are quite angry with him are actually angry with him because he's injured. It's no fault of his own, but they feel that they're missing out on such a quality player, as we all know he is. And uh, what I really wanted to do with this article was um, sort of take us back over the very best of Daniel Sturridge, because I thought that's what he deserves. He's played with his heart on his sleeve. He's given his very best to the club. He's conducted himself in a really, really professional manner, especially this season and the previous season where he was fit for a, a sizable number of games but still wasn't selected to start and has had time on the bench or not in the squad at all. And uh, unlike many other top strikers, he hasn't gone out and he said, I, I need to play, I need football. He's handled himself really well. And I read a continuing article re- recently and I said uh, good riddance that he's gone because of the, the attitude and the ego that he displayed and the way that he forced his move. But with this, I feel the exact opposite. I, I, I feel real sadness, but also um, hopefulness for, for, for Daniel Sturridge. And I, I, and I hope he goes on and he, he does himself proud because I feel that he deserves a lot more than what, what he's got. And that's not to say the club have failed him. It's just his body has failed him. It's not his fault. It's not the club's fault, not the fans' fault. And it's it's a real shame. It's a, it's a sad story in football, but it's one that happens. It's a, one of talent that's not quite... Uh, been uh, been achieved and, and met its full potential, which is a real shame. But even then, even though he hasn't reached the the very pinnacle of what he he could have, he's still been a brilliant, brilliant player. 
And it's that 13, 14 season that are really going to depth about his goals, uh, the, the emotions. I think that, that Everton goal where he lobs Howard, I, I think that's probably the best of the lot. And the, the, the picture is iconic. But then there's also the, the Europa League campaign, a campaign in which um, he only played one game a week and it would be in the Europa League. Um, and it seemed like he was back and it, it was, it was sad, but it was, it was a sort of a beautifully sad story. The way that he, he, he was so good. Uh, he delivered and the, the team let him down on this occasion. I, I think he did his job in the final. He did his job in all the games running up to it. And then the team in that second half were nowhere to be seen. And that's a real shame for a player that's given so much. Uh, had so many special moments with so much talent who's treated the club so well that for all his time here, he, he doesn't have uh, trophies to show for it. He just has a few runners at medals. And um, whilst it is a sad story, there's also a sort of admiration, love letter of sorts, because um, I really do appreciate what he's given to the club as, uh, as a fan. And I've enjoyed watching every minute of him. And I think he deserves to be on the, that plane to um, the World Cup. And that's why I wish him the very best with, with his, uh, his endeavours at West Brom this season. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think we all wish Sturridge the best. And we want to start off by talking about the positives of the mood. And positives of the mood. Sorry. And this is going to be mostly from Sturridge's perspective, a case of him potentially getting into the um, getting into the World Cup squad. The idea that it's a good... Uh, you know, a really good opportunity for him to rebuild his career. And obviously, West Brom was the place that he chose because he's obviously from Birmingham himself. So, Leanne, how do you see this move working out for Daniel Sturridge? Do you see it being a really, really good move in terms of him for his career? Yeah, I do. I think it's it was a little surprising. Obviously, you've got the location aspect, which must have played a massive, massive part for Sturridge. But when you look at that West Brom team, Solomon Rondon's on such good form that I think it will be sort of, there'll be that air extra bit of competition for Sturridge that perhaps somewhere like Newcastle wouldn't have given him. Um, but, you know, that can often bring the best out of players, and, and I think it will for Sturridge. Um, they'll probably partner each other, and I think that that's something that could work really well for Alan Pardew. Um, I think, sort of reflecting on the move itself, it is very, very good for Sturridge. I, I too wish him the best of luck, and I think West Brom will be a very, very good place for him. Um, I think at Liverpool, there were times where he was injured and he was criticised for the consistency of those injuries. But Cy Brundish put out a stat, I think it was yesterday, on Lallana and how many games he's missed, which was absolutely staggering. I mean, you know, it was on par with Sturridge, if not worse. And yet, Lallana's never criticised in the same frame that Sturridge was about his attitude for injuries and things like that. So, you know, th- this move gives him a new lease of life, a, a good change, and hopefully it brings the best out of him. And and ironically, I, I would actually quite like to see him sort of survive no more injuries this season and just bang in the goals for the baggies and sort of say up yours to those who criticised him because he is a, he is a great player. Yes, he's not what he used to be, um, but he's still a brilliant, brilliant finisher. And, and I wish him all the best and I hope that he gets in that World Cup squad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we all, we all agree it's probably a good move for storage person. I think we all agree we want to see him play well at the World Cup. I certainly agree with everything you've said there, Leanne. Um, so I want to, we'll look at, we'll look at the more historical side of it again in a minute because I think there's a lot to talk about Sturridge in terms of his history at the club. But just briefly then, Hamza, do you think this is a bad move for Liverpool? Because obviously it's a good move for Sturridge, but do we think Liverpool are going to suffer from not having him available? Is it the sort of move that 
club really can't afford to be making at the current window? Um, I think there's two aspects to that question. Immediately, I, I would say yes. But the thing is, we haven't used him that much. And it didn't seem as if Klopp was that eager to use him. Uh, if I was manager, I, I'm not, obviously, and uh, I, I, I don't have anywhere near the, the wealth of experience or knowledge of training and, and whatnot as, as um, Klopp does, I'd probably use Sturridge a bit more. But that's completely up to, to Klopp. And he felt that Sturridge was not the man for the moment. I think it was clear that he wanted to retain him um, rather than go on loan. Uh, well, those were the initial reports, at least. But um, I, it is a bad move, considering we haven't brought someone else in to strengthen the team or the squad. And in that respect, yes. But in the sort of immediate terms in which we didn't really use him anyway, um, I, I wouldn't say it, it's that much of a bad deal. But in the wider sort of context, I think um, we really should have brought someone in or we should have tried a lot harder to keep him uh, in my view or at the very least brought someone in to strengthen the squad because I feel uh, Solanke needs do not provide anywhere near the quality that he does he did off the bench and uh, should Firmino get injured I feel will be quite a, quite a bit of a struggle Yeah, absolutely um, I completely agree in terms of depth I think we really need to look at the options we've got in the squad, and we don't have the space for someone like Sturridge to be gone. Almost, we don't have that 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 capacity for him to be missing. Um, so, Leanne, I want to talk briefly then about Sturridge's highlights. Um, obviously, thirteen fourteen is the big one. Hamza mentioned the Europa League season. Are there any particular games or any particular moments from Sturridge's career for you that stand out? Well, I, I've got to go. I know it's been mentioned before, but I've got to go with that Everton goal. That that chip, um, it was absolutely phenomenal. And the way he just then stood there, sort of saying to the the Everton fans, "Look what I can do! I've just put your team away." That's that type of sort of attitude that he shared with Luis Suarez. And I think his his overall contribution to the season um, is sort of it's still underappreciated even now because Suarez was that good. He was the talisman. And he sort of took all the plaudits away from Sturridge in a way. Um, but it was Sturridge's movement, Sturridge's creativity as well that took Liverpool to that or towards that title. That we, Of course, we didn't get it, but that was the moment, his moment, where he was at his very, very best and showing everyone what he could do. Um, we gave him a new lease of life after a bad spell at Chelsea. And there's so many amazing goals that he scored. But for me, yeah, it, it's that chip and just the celebration afterwards. And of course, his his iconic dance. Yeah, so many fantastic moments. Um, I'm really, really big fan of the West Brom one. I think that was a really top, top goal as well. I think it was, I think it was only a couple of weeks before or after Everton. It was very similar when him and Sturridge, him and Suarez were banging in goals and fun. But he certainly hit that really good run of form alongside Sturridge. There's so many great games in that, in that period. Um, Hamza, back to Liverpool then. Um, how do you see Klopp looking to replace Sturridge in the current squad? Because if we look at um, the depth, we've already mentioned that Sturridge being missing could potentially be a problem. How do you see that problem being solved? Do you think there'll be an increased emphasis on Dominic Solanke to pick up more minutes? Because Solanke's, I mean, Solanke and Sturridge have picked up about 800 minutes of them in, between them in the Premier League this season, but only half of those have been Solanke. So do you think Solanke will pick up more minutes? Do you think it's just going to be a case of Klopp going, right, well, Firmino's going to play every game between now and the end of the season if he can manage it 
Or do you think that Danny Ings might get a run out as well in a couple of games? Um, I think in the periods in which we don't have many games within a week, it's going to be Firmino for most of those, most games, uh, most of those times. Um, when we've got a, I think, uh, in the next few weeks, we have a few fixtures that are tightly packed together. I think he will, uh, use Solanke and Ings a bit more. Um, I, I think though, the, other than the sort of quality deficit, there's a, a lack of experience there as well. I think that that's an issue because we've got a player that has won leagues, that, that won leagues with, um, Chelsea. Uh, I, I think, was he in the Champions League winning squad as well? Maybe. I'm not sure. We may have to, uh, I may have to check that. But, um, you lose that experience and that edge in the, um, on the training ground. And I think that's an edge that we will start to see. Well, the team may start to feel, uh, as the season goes on. That, that, that should be driving other players to improve. But if you have a lesser quality, uh, striker, he, the, the defenders aren't on their, their toes as much. And, um, uh, but in terms of the, the the first question there, I, I would say um, I, I imagine Firmino will play the vast majority of games, apart from times where we've got maybe two games a week, in which case we may see uh, Solanke start. But uh, even then, I think Ings is going to be a player that's going to be used from the bench on most occasions. He still needs minutes. He's had the two ACL injuries. It's It's never easy coming back from one of those, let alone two. So I think we've got to manage him very carefully as well. And I, I think that's probably the way Klopp's going to go forward. Okay, sounds good to me. And um, same question to you, Leanne. What do you see the bit, the best way of replacing Sturridge to be within the squad? Because obviously we have got haven't got that much depth. So do you see it being Solanke or Ings, one of those two stepping up? Do you see Salah playing centrally? Or as I, as I suggest, Hamza, do you think it will be the case that Bobby Firmino will just be, you know, given every, every single minute possible? Well, I think um, Klopp came out and said recently about how it's so hard to drop Firmino when he's playing on the type of form he is. And I completely agree. He's on tremendous form and he's so integral to the way Liverpool play. So whenever there's an opportunity to play Firmino without obviously running him into the ground and killing him, I think Klopp will opt for him because he's he sort of fits everything together. He ties it all together going forward with um, Salah and Mane as well. So that's what I'd expect to see. Um, in terms of a storage replacement, there'll be people out there saying, well, storage hasn't had many minutes this season, so does he need a replacement? That type of thing. Um, for me, the crucial point to, to this move is the fact that storage, yes, he, he's no longer what he was, but he's still a world class finisher. As Hamza said, he's got that experience. And you look at Danny Ings, who's been out for effectively two years. Dominic Slank has never scored a, a goal in the Premier League. So it's a lot of emphasis and a lot of pressure to put on two players who aren't anywhere near the quality of someone like Sturridge, even on a bad day. Um, in terms of who out of the two of them I think will get more minutes now Sturridge has gone, I would have to say Danny Ings. I think Solanke, obviously, you know, he's younger, he's got more time to progress and he needs more game time in order to see the best of him. Uh, there have been a couple of times this season where he's come on and he's not done too much and a lot of people are sort of losing faith in him in some ways and asking for Divo Origi to come back. Um, but Danny Ings, there's a, there is an emphasis there from Klopp that he is an integral player. He is the answer to something. Klopp obviously rates him. He didn't want him to go out on loan and he was insistent on that. Uh, I think he said a funny quote yesterday about the only way Ings goes out on loan is if I'm unconscious. So, you know, that, that shows how much he thinks Ings is an answer to something, whether that be helping with the press, 
um, in terms of finishing, which we saw at Burnley, he was good at. So I'd expect him to use Ings quite a lot in the coming weeks. Um, we've got Porto coming up. We've got Spurs. They're two big, big games. So maybe for the lesser teams, we've looked to utilise Ings. He showed good movement against against West Brom when he came on. So, you know, maybe he opts for two up front and he puts them both there. Um, and as you say, you've got Salah who could go through the middle. So there are still options there for Liverpool. Um, I'm just surprised, that, as as a lot of people are, that we've let Sturridge and Coutinho go without a replacement. OK, so uh, final question then on, on this particular like element of it, the replacement element of it. In a word, if uh, Firmino picks up a niggle and misses one or two games, who's starting up front? Uh, I'm going to say Solanke. Hamza? Um, I would probably go with Solanke too. And Leanne, you reckon Ings? Ings, yeah. Interesting. Interesting split there. Um, for what it's worth, I wouldn't play either of them. I'd play Oxley chamberlain and play Salah in the striking role. Or I'd just recall Divock Origi. But um, it's interesting how uh, we how we differently we see it. I think... I'm not sure Klopp is going to give Ings any minutes. I think if I think Ings is more likely to get 20 minutes off the bench, whereas I think Solanke is more likely to start a game, if that makes sense. But it's interesting. Like I wouldn't have pegged either of them as being our main replacements. And I can understand how people would be like, well, we've gone from Origi and Sturridge as our backups to um, to Ings and Solanke. But I think it's worth noting that for both Sturridge and Ings, it's probably better for both of them that they aren't at Liverpool right now because they're both at that stage in their careers where they can't afford to be second choice to Bobby Firmino, whereas Ings doesn't really have any choice and Solanke's young enough that he can take it. Um, so Hamza, we talked about uh, how Klopp doesn't think Sturridge fits this team anymore. So how do you see him going until the end of the season? Do you see him getting a good run at West Brom? Do you see him fitting that system quite well? Definitely so. And I, I think they've got a real coup in, in Sturridge. I, I, I thought that Sturridge was going to go severe, a, a team that I thought would be more of his level, but I'm sure he'll thrive there. I mean, he had uh, he had one good chance, maybe two against City the other day. I, I think maybe with, with a bit more match sharpness, he would have scored. Um, and that's the way he is. It, that's all it takes. Maybe um, give him 20 minutes one day, give him uh, half an hour, 45 minutes the next day, and that's it. Bang, he's, he's ready and he's scoring. I think he'll score 10 goals pretty easily. Uh, that's just the type of player he is. And I think the way that uh, West Brom play, uh, Pardew likes to get forward a bit. And uh, with with Rondon with him, I think he can make a nice sort of partnership there. Rondon can play. Uh, I think I remember when uh, Sturridge used to play with, with Origi, they take two different positions in the box. And I think he can uh, do that as well here. So maybe Rondon will take a, a sort of more central role. Sturridge will take the back post. And that's where he really thrives, being a poacher. And I think he really will do well there, especially in that sort of environment. And I think he, he thrives under pressure too. So uh, if West Brom need a goal, uh, or if West Brom need to stay up, I'm sure he'll be the leading light there to make sure that they do. Yeah, same here. Um, I, I do think it's interesting. There's a couple of things I've always found interesting about the kind of the storage. The first thing is, I never thought that he was really a... Um, I never thought he didn't fit the system. I always thought that criticism of him was quite unfair. But it seems that Klopp doesn't think he fits the system, which is clearly... Clearly strange. Um, the other thing is, the other, people talk a lot about his injury record. A lot of it is just Klopp isn't willing to play him. Klopp just doesn't pick him a lot of the time. So it isn't necessarily that he's injured for long spells. It's just that when he is fit, Klopp doesn't play him either. So Leanne, how do you do you see him 
fitting in well at West Brom? Do you think it's a case of him needing to get out of the club for his own good? Or do you think that really he could have, he, he should be staying at Liverpool where we can use him? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you in, in a lot of ways. I think that Sturridge fitting the system, um, well, not fitting the system, I don't agree with that. I think that the reason why that is said is because of all this emphasis on pressing and what Firmino gives us. And in that sense, Firmino sort of pushed Sturridge out of the Liverpool career because he set a new basis on what a striker is and what the Liverpool striker must do. He must press, he must be that first line of defence, he must set this ruthless tone all throughout the pitch. And because Sturridge, because of injuries and things like that, he's maybe less inclined or less willing to run because he's, you know, in some ways, as you would be, this isn't a negative. He's some, in some ways scared to run, scared to sprint, scared to test himself after all these niggles. Um, but he's not able to do that pressing that Firmino does. And so that's probably where Klopp is coming from. The only thing I'd say to that is we saw how useful he was last season in the top four run against West Ham. He came in, we played a 4-4-2 diamond formation and it, you know, it set Sturridge alive. He was back to his uh, finishing self. He set us in a great run of form. And we obviously secured top four. So that shows for me what he could have offered uh, for the rest of the season. Yes, he didn't get the game time at the moment. But, you know, if you're asking me, would you rather have a, a below pass Sturridge who can still finish and is still ruthless in front of goal? Or Danny Ings, who's been out for two years and Solanke, who's still got a lot of developing to do and hasn't yet scored? I'd have absolutely picked for Sturridge to stay. Um, in terms of West Brom, I think, it, you know, as Hamza said, he'll do very, very well there. I think that this family aspect will help him a lot and help him help get the best out of him because he'll feel at home immediately. He's got the family support around him. Um, and, you know, for a player like Sturridge, it is really, really good to get that new lease of life via a move like this. So whether that be Rondon and him together, I'm not so sure. I think maybe, you know, Pardew sort of wriggles him in in terms of substitute appearances with 20, 30 minutes, because that's the type of player you want coming off the bench, especially when you're a team like West Brom, because I agree, it's, it's massive coup for them. And, you know, if they're in a relegation scrap come the end of the season and you've got Daniel, you know he's going to create a chance and you know that if a chance is created, he will more than likely take it. So for West Brom fans, it's absolutely fantastic. But as a Liverpool fan, I'd have liked him to stay. Whether he plays five minutes in the whole campaign had he stuck at Liverpool, you know, I would have fancied him to get a goal or two. And, and as Hamza says, he's more than capable of getting 10 for the for the season for the baggies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a quick look at Surridge's kind of stats then. He, as everyone knows, he only really played one full season for Liverpool. That was 13-14. And that season he played, started 26 games, played 2,200 minutes odd and scored 21 goals. So that's pretty impressive. Other than that, 20 12 is his second best season for Liverpool. That's, that's, that's quite bad, isn't it? He has his second best season in terms of minutes and goals is all the way back in 2012, 2013 when he only started 11 games, scored 10 goals. Um, 2015-16 started 11 games, scored 8 goals. 16-17 he only started 7 games, but he only scored 3 goals. 3, this is in the league by the way, but 3 league goals last season pretty much sums up how, how little Klopp values him because he made 13 substitute appearances but only seven starts and he played less than 800 minutes that's that's Klopp saying this isn't a player that I value and yeah we can talk about his injury record but that's just not there is it 2014-15 only started seven games scored four goals this season he's only started five league games he scored twice it's 
he's only made ten goals in in a league season three times, and two and none none of those have been since 2014. So it is frustrating that his career has been so stop start since he came to Liverpool, particularly under Jurgen Klopp, since that fantastic season in 13-14. And it, it really is a shame, but ultimately I just think he's better off moving somewhere where hopefully he can get a fresh start and hopefully he can rack up some minutes. Um, I'll give you the final word on this, Hamza. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we, before we move on? I think the minutes might actually be an appreciation of Daniel Sturridge's uh, injuries in, in themselves, as in a player... Uh, I've been reading up on Simon Rodish's Twitter and he says um, a player with sort of fast twitch muscles is not a sort of player that you want to be bringing on for 10-15 minutes, half an hour at the end of the game, because that's when they're more likely to get injured. And I think maybe that's an appreciation of that. You don't want to bring on a player uh, like that, or you don't want to disrespect a player either. I mean, if I had a a top strike on the bench, uh, a guy who who knows he should be starting for most teams in the league, and and I take up Firmino and this seven minutes left in the game, I think that it's kind of taking a mickey if I'm bringing on a top strike and say, go on, have a seven-minute run around, waste some time, take the ball in the corner. And I think maybe it's an appreciation of that. Uh, or maybe it's just Klopp knows his qualities because he always talks about it. Well, he used to talk about him a lot in the press conferences. I know how good at finishing he is, but he'd, he'd say. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why Klopp didn't feel he was the man for him. Uh, we, if Sturridge isn't the man for him, does this mean someone like Griezmann, who can't do the, the same stuff that Firmino does, wouldn't be the man for him as well? I, I, I'm being a bit facetious by saying Griezmann, but I think you get the point. But I, I guess at the end of the day, the, the real point I wanted to have at home was it's a shame that Daniel Sturridge hasn't met the uh, the levels that we wished he would. But he's been a fantastic servant to the club. And uh, I'm sure... I, all Liverpool fans would agree with me. We wish him all the best at West Brom because I'm sure he's a fantastic player and he'll do very well there. And uh, he deserves uh, the very best. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. So uh, we'll move on from an article about one of Liverpool's uh, great player, well, not great players as such, but a player who's been a good servant for the club for many years and is leaving to a player that has been a great servant for the club for about a year and a half now and is hopefully going to be continuing to be a, a good servant for the club, and that's Sadio Mane, because Henry Jackson's written on Sadio recently, uh, and it, it's been a very strange season for Sadio Mane, hasn't it? I know a lot of people, there's been such a, a mix of opinions on this, which is why I think the this, the Mane situation is so fascinating. Um, he started so well last season, had a fantastic season, injuries picked up, he didn't wasn't able to really kick on last season as a result of those injuries. But then this season he started really, really well, scored some really, really vital goals early in the season, looked to be contributing. Then, of course, we got the red card against City. Then he came back from that and got injured again. So it was a bit of a stop-start start to the season. And his his being missing certainly, I think, had an impact on our form in September and October. And I think a lot of people probably agree with me on that. But then since he's come back, he's been so strange. He's been very, very stop-start. He's taken a lot of bad touches. He's misplaced a lot of passes been a little bit all over the place and so many people have said his form is all over the shop and he just doesn't look like he's playing well and yet he's consistently offering goals consistently offering assists consistently contributing to the side and he's scoring more goals and getting more assists than he was last season so it's very very interesting uh and i'll let you have the first say on this hamza do you think i mean the big question is do you think Mane is having a better season this season than last than last and obviously there are a lot of factors into that but do you think he looks 
do you think he looks worse than he than he like that he's playing worse football than he was last season, or do you just think it's a matter of perception? And as long as he's banging in the goals, who really cares? A uh, bit of both. I think he doesn't look as good as he did last season, uh, and th- there's no problem with that because he. I, I still think he's doing the right thing. He's getting into goal scoring positions. Uh, he's using his pace well, maybe not as aggressively a lot as last year. Uh, he's going wide. Uh, he's link up play. He's still trying things. I remember the other day, uh, he was trying a few flicks. And usually, a player out of form, they don't do that. They get the ball, they they look for a pass, and they they try and play the safe pass. He's still trying the, the daring things against Manchester City. Uh, he had the opportunity to to put us three one up, and he hit the post. First of all, taking that shot is a uh, is a brave um, brave thing in itself, rather than trying to take on the player or move the ball, pass it on for an easier shot. And then he wasn't phased by that. The ball came to him again, and he absolutely buried it uh, past Edison. And I think there's there's a bit of a uh, perception that he's playing a lot poorer than he is uh, than than he was last season. And I think that's because of the overperformance uh, of Salah. When we look at the stats, uh, Salah outperforms him, but in compared to Firmino, they're quite similar. I think uh, Marley has six goals and five assists in 16 starts. And then uh, three goals and one assist in the Champions League. Firmino has 11 goals and five assists from 21 starts. And in terms of sort of a goal and assist contribution per game, they're roughly similar. So it's not too bad. The frightening thing is, though, what happens when, when Mane hits form? What happens when Mane has his confidence back uh, and he's really gunning for it? Because then he can really improve. It's really, really strange how he doesn't look sort of uh, at his best, but he's still he's still delivering the goods, as it were. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much. And it, it's it's a bit strange seeing him like this. But you check the stats out; he's passing better than it was last season. He's still scoring. He's still assisting. Uh, and there clearly is to the eye um, scope for him to improve and hit the heights that he did before. And we think he can go beyond that anyway. So I wouldn't be too worried at all. And I think he's got a lot more to show. And uh, I think we will see it towards the end of the season, and uh, I think it'll be even more important when he does show it. Okay, so Leanne, uh, Hamza alluded to Sad, uh, to Mo Salah has been as outperforming him, and that is certainly one element that a couple of people have highlighted, saying, "Well, actually, Sadio's not having a bad season. It's just that if you compare him to Salah, a player who has come into this side and hit the ground running and scored, you know, twenty five, twenty six goals already, that's just insane numbers." Well, of course, Sadio is not going to look like he's, you know, performing well in comparison. Do you think there's an element of truth to that, that it's more of a perception because of the, the other two players? I mean, Firmino has significantly stepped up his end performance and his gameplay since last season. And Salah, of course, has been phenomenal as well. Do you think that Mane is still playing really, really well? It's just that of the front three, and to be fair, of the front four, if you include Coutinho, he's just not been the most influential, which is what a lot of people might have been expecting after last year. I, I again I agree in a, in a sense in that if you sort of look at the perception of it, Salah coming in and doing such a fantastic job, and Mane switching to the left hand side as a result, obviously for for any player you're going to sort of become in the shadow of Salah because he's won almost well I think he tied for player of the month. That's sort of just a way of sort of giving our backing to Lovren. So he's he's won practically every player of the month award he's won African player of the year he's won countless things since he moved to Anfield showing how good he's been and and for Mane he's had to switch to the other flank and he's sort of maybe disrupted his rhythm in a a sense because last 
fifties and it was all about him. Uh, you look at that Arsenal game where he bombed past their whole defence and rifled the ball past Patacek. There was this sense of, you know, Mane is going to take us somewhere. Mane is going to climb on Klopp's back and really lead us to glory. And, you know, this season it's become much more about Salah and, as you say, Firmino as well, stepping it up. Um, so that's not really helped. But at the same time, if you, again, if you look at the stats, um, Football Whispers say that he's contributed five goals and three assists in his last 12 starts. Um he also did a lovely back heel against Leicester to set up Salah. So in that sense, there is still really, really good moments for Mane. I think the point here and the point of the article that Henry really addresses is there's still flashes of brilliance. There, but when you've got a player like Mane, who we're used to seeing brilliance all over the pitch at, at all times, flashes seems like a disappointment. And, you know, there's so much more to come from him. There's so much more he's capable of, as we saw last season. We just need him to sort of get back to that form, get back to that confidence. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways, I think Salah has had an aspect of it to play, but Mane's still doing the job. Um, whether it be a case of Firmino and Salah have improved a lot and Mane's sort of just stuck at a really, really good level that he was at last season, um, I'm not sure. But I, I'd agree with Henry. There's there's something not quite right. I can't put my finger on what it is. Um but at the same time, he's still doing well for Liverpool. I think last night, not last night, Tuesday night against Huddersfield was kind of the, the epitome of the Salah, the Mane story conundrum at the moment because in that first 10, 15 minutes or so, he takes so many poor touches and yet the one or two he takes that are really, really good are really instinctive and really powerful and he makes a lot happen. His, he, he gave the ball away, uh, I think seven, I think five times. He, he gave the ball away through a bad touch five times. He was dispossessed twice. He didn't complete a single take on, although he did win some free kicks. And yet, and his shoot, his shooting was poor. He missed some good chances. And yet, with a delightful touch, he created an assist for Bobby's second, for Bobby's goal. And he did create quite a few chances for, he made four key passes, etc. So it's very strange. I think one thing that I have noticed, and I think this might be me just extrapolating from what I've seen in the last game or so, but when he doesn't have to think, when he can just do something, whether it's just taking a shot or making a pass, when he doesn't have to think, when he just, his first touch is the pass or the shot, it works really, really, really well. It's when he has to stop and think and take a few touches that his control seems to let him down. So I just think, I think, I'd wonder if it is just his first touch is just really bad at the moment. And that when he tries to trap the ball or take on a defender, he just loses it. Whereas when he's playing the touch to make the pass or to have the shot first time, it doesn't really make as much of a difference. I don't know, it's a really weird conundrum. But as I said, last night for me was pretty much the epitome of that. He seemed to take so many bad touches, seemed to give the ball away quite a bit, and yet he was our second most creative player and he nabs an assist. So it's such a weird situation. I certainly think there's something, I don't know, I agree I agree with the idea that Salah, Salah overshadowing him has certainly affected the way we look at him because... If Salah had scored half as many goals, we wouldn't be seeing Sadio in the same light. On the other hand, I do think it's doing a disservice to him to suggest that this is as good as Sadio is, if that makes sense. I don't think it's fair on Sadio to suggest that he's playing somewhere near his best, because I don't think he is. Uh, I think you can see he makes a lot of poor decisions, his touches are poor, and it is quite frustrating. He is becoming a bit of a frustrating player at times. Obviously, there's no... No talk of dropping him because he's too good. And his end product is still phenomenal. And there's no debating that. 
but whether or not he's playing at his best, that's an interesting question, um, especially when you consider the quality of the players around him, because to go on the other side of it, and to go on the devil's advocate side of it, when you've got Bobby Firmino and Mo Salah in the form that they're in, especially with Coutinho earlier on in the season, Liverpool's attacking unit looks more cohesive than it did last season. It looks better than it did last season. So as a result, you would say Salah Mane should be getting should be getting more goals and assists because he's getting better quality of chances coming through to him. He should be getting more opportunities because of the better better quality of assists from the likes of Coutinho and and Firmino. And he should be getting more assists as well because he's passing the ball to players like Firmino, who's scoring about about twice as many goals as he did last season. And of course, Salah, who's banged in 25, 26 already. And Mane tends to assist Salah quite a lot. So you, you, you can look at it the other way and say, well, yeah, his numbers are better. But based on the quality of the current attack, of course, his numbers are better. You, it would be alarming if they weren't. So for me, it's really, really interesting. But I certainly don't think it's straightforward. And that, for me, is what's frustrating, because the harder I look at it, the more I can't quite grasp it. I don't know if you, I don't know if either of you guys agree with that, that outlook or whether you, you disagree with me. Hamza, what do, you, what do you think about that? Um, I disagree with the touch thing. I think that's the thing that he's always had, except usually he takes a bad touch and it, it looks like a bad touch and it draws a defender in and then he gets his toe to the ball and he sprints away. I remember that's how a friend of mine described it. He said, oh, yeah, he's got this really weird touch. And the defender always thinks, ah, oh, yeah, I can get it. And he gets his foot in, goes away, and it's either a foul or he's the one uh, threw in behind. Um, but uh, I think it's also maybe reflective of the state of Liverpool as well. So when Liverpool have been under pressure uh, in, in October and uh, it, over the past week or so, um, barring the Huddersfield game, uh, there's been a lot of pressure on the manager, on the club. Uh, on the players as well to perform. It's always, ah, oh, next, next game's a must win, must win. Uh, the pressure is higher than ever. Obviously, um, our rivals are making signings. Our rivals are looking good. Uh, Man City are running away. And I think because of that, people are, are burdening Mane with expectations that I think are a bit unfair. I think he's still doing a good job. And even though he's not playing at his best, I think that's clear. His very presence itself impacts on opposition players and opposition managers. If you know that Sadio Mane is playing, you're not going to go toe-to-toe with Liverpool. That means our defence is going to be less exposed. That's that's only a good thing. And that's, that's Sadio Mane just standing on the wing. It's the same way if you're playing against Real Madrid. If a team's attacking down the right wing, you've got to be mindful of the left. You know Ronaldo's going to be... I know Ronaldo plays as a striker now, but let's say two years ago, you've got to be mindful of Ronaldo on the wing. And the same way teams are mindful of Mane on the wing. He might not be scoring, but he's a threat. Uh, defenders are... They're not running over and bombing forward. Their, their tactical setup is different just because he's there. His presence alone is enough. Uh, and he's just contributing a, a small amount, um, relative to what he could do, but it's still enough. I, I, I think, um, we, the fan base has been a bit harsh on Marnie at the moment. He, he's still doing a good job. Not, not every player can contribute at the same rate that Firmino is or Salah is over the entire season. I, players can have off seasons or or off periods, but that's not, that's not really a problem as long as they're playing their role within the system, which he is. Uh, he's functioning well. He looks happy. I I don't think there's there's much to worry about. And I think like I remember at the start of the season, Liverpool weren't doing so well, and uh, we said Liverpool are doing the right things. 
but it's just not coming off yet. And I think that's true of Mane. The amount of chances that he's missed, that maybe last season he would have scored. I think if he if he's made eight goals more, if you if the Sadio Mane of last season was playing this season, he's getting in the, the right positions. It's just not coming off. And I think if he keeps doing the right things, it will come off. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not too worried about him. And um, I think we we can persevere with him, and he'll come good. Uh, as we know, he's a quality player. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think he is a quality player. For me, as I, as I said, for me, I don't think there's any question of his contributions in terms of goals and assists. I think that's clearly on a par. I mean, just to have a quick, quick uh, thing of of the numbers themselves. Salah's played 2,600 minutes, 26 goals, seven assists. Uh, Firmino's played basically the same amount of minutes, just over 2,600. 19 goals, 8 assists. And Mane's played uh, about 600 less minutes. He's only played about 2,000. And he's got 9 goals and 8 assists. So, in terms of goals, I mean, 9 goals and 8 assists in 2,000 minutes is is very solid. Especially when you consider he's not a striker, he's a winger. That's spectacularly solid for a winger. He's even, you know, a winger at a top-level club. It's pretty much what you'd be expecting. It's I think it's very similar to what uh, Leroy Sane's pulling, although I haven't actually checked Sane's numbers. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with the numbers he's pulling. It's not, you know, game-changing like Salah and Firmino is, but it's, it doesn't need to be because Salah and Firmino are pulling those sorts of numbers. But for me, it's just this all-round gameplay, and I think Henry kind of hits the nail on the head a bit when he just says, like, he doesn't look like the Sadio Mane of last season. And I know to an extent that he kind of looked like this last season in terms of he wouldn't necessarily play. This was one of the reasons I think I, I was one of the few people who preferred thought Phil had a better season, just because I think in general... I thought Phil looked better. Phil just kind of did things more on the ball, whereas Sadio just kind of contributed with goals and assists. But even so, he doesn't look right. It's That is it more than anything else. It's just the eye test. And obviously, I'd be curious to see more a more in-depth statistical look beyond the goal contribution. I'd be very interested to look at everything. His dribbling, his passing accuracy, his uh, sprints into the box. His general sprints. I mean, I don't think he's working less hard. I'd be just be curious to see whether he's sprinting on the ball more. His take-ons is the one that I'm probably the most interested to see. His take-on percentage rate and probably his level of touching as well. Because I, I know you say he's always looked like he's had a bad touch, but this season it's starting to feel like he actually does have a bad touch because it's all well and good having a weird touch that fools defenders into tackling you badly. But if that touch then gives the ball straight to a defender, that's not. You know, if if, he, if the ball bounces off him and goes straight to a defender, that's not him lulling the defender into a false insecurity. That's him giving the ball away. So I'd be very, very curious to see those, see have a, have a proper in-depth look at it, which obviously I can't do mid-pod. It's something I've got, a, I've got a few stats I can throw at you, though. Go for it. I'm very, always up for a few, for a few um, stats. Um, non-penalty goals, XG penalty is higher than last season. So it's 0.42 compared to 0.38. He's uh, expected assists. Per 90 is also higher, so it's uh, 0.23 compared to 0.18. The only thing that is lower is his XG chain. Uh, in terms of non-penalty goals per 90 and expected assists uh, per 90, uh, non-penalty expected goals, sorry, uh, it's up 0.09. So statistically, in those terms, he's better. His passing accuracy is better as well. I, I can have a quick check for you. I'm just trying to find that. Uh, last season, his pass accuracy was 75, uh, 77.5%. This season, 80.9% uh, in the league. So I think he, the sort of player he is as well, he's a direct player. He's going to be losing the ball. And um, to expect him to sort of recycle it or 
think that he should be a bit more like Emery Chan or maybe Wijnaldum being able to keep the ball. I don't think that's what Klopp is asking for him. He's asking for him to be as direct as possible, as aggressive as possible. And if you lose the ball, so be it. That's what comes with a player like Mane. And uh, we should come to, I think we should at least come to accept that he's going to lose a ball. And that's fine because he's doing the right things. And if he's doing the right things and you lose the ball, that's okay. As soon as he starts doing the wrong things, and he's looking to play a defensive pass or run back towards goal. I think that's when we should be concerned. I'm not to, to, to just to clarify. I'm not concerned that he's losing the ball. I'm concerned if he's losing the ball potentially more than he would have been last season, or whether or not his dribbling's down. That's what's concerning me. Uh, I'm just gonna have a quick look at his dribbling stats because that's the one that's kind of bugging me. And okay, so he's at. Oh, it's a tough one actually because he's um. Looking at his, here's a quick overview of his dribbling stats. So last season he was averaging 2.5 dribbles per game. This season it's down to 1.9. So he is dribbling less. He's getting dispos- dispossesses. He's getting dispossessed less though. He was dispossessed 2.7 last season, 1.6 this season. So the ratio of dribbling to dispossessed is higher this year. But the one that interesting, the one that's interesting to me is, uh, poor touches. So bad controls. And that is, much higher. It's 2.8 instead of 2.2. So it is, it's, it's interesting just having a quick look at those, um, at those dribbling stats that his, in certain areas, he does seem to be dribbling less and he does seem to be giving the ball away a bit more, which is quite interesting. Um, as I say, I, I agree with you. I'm not, again, I'm not surprised his XG and his XA are higher because that comes from playing with Firmino and, Firmino and, uh, Firmino and Salah, sorry. I'm not surprised they give him higher quality, higher chance quality, and I'm not surprised he ends up creating better chances for other people. So neither of those stats surprise me, especially when you consider both his goals and assists per 90. I think probably higher. Again, I haven't checked, but I know his overall goal contribution is higher, so it stands to reason that they both are. Well, one of them has to be, but at least one, they probably both are. So it is interesting. Um, I, I agree with what you say about him being a direct player, and that is something that I really admire about him. And I guess. I also agree with you when you say that um, as long as he's doing the right things, my concern is just that, as I say, I don't think he's doing the wrong things. My concern is just at the moment it feels like it's not quite paying off in the same way in terms of his overall gameplay, although obviously his goals and assists are obviously the most important element. So it really is interesting. Um, as I say, I don't, I don't want to... Sorry, Leanne, jump in. The only thing I was going to say is just sort of away from the statistical aspect of it, because I, I'm not really, uh, I don't tend to look into the specific stats um, in the same way that you and Hams do. Um, but for me, I think that the important overriding feel is that Sadio Mane is still doing well. Um, the statistics that you've both said show that. The, the only thing we're saying is that, you know, onlookers, you know, on the eye, it doesn't look like the Sadio Mane that we saw last season, whether that be because of Mohamed Salah coming in and sort of detracting away from Mane, um, Firmino impressing with a better goals tally than last season, uh, and Mane's sort of less able to do what he was doing last year because he's cut out on the left now. That's obviously got a change of, of dynamic for him. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier, he's scored some fantastic goals this season. He's contributed with some very, very good assists. 
Um, the overriding thing is that we do need him to get back to what he was last year. Yes, the stats may say that he's at that level, if not better. Um, but this sort of funny feeling that we've all got, there's obviously something there. And I think Henry mentions in the article that Jürgen Klopp has even alluded to it. So with Coutinho gone now, the, the onus is very much on Salah, Firmino and Mane, especially with, with Sturridge out and, and no one coming in in January. So we need him to get back to where he was, whatever that takes. I'm not sure. Um, but, but once he's back at that level, if he's getting these numbers and we're saying he's off form, when he's back at that level, it's going to be absolutely fantastic to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I don't think he's playing as well as he can be playing. I, I, I just don't. I, I think there's, n- I agree that, I'm, I mean, I'm always a big fan of stats over the eye test, but I think the eye test can't be that wrong. That many Liverpool fans can't be looking at Mane and going, something's wrong here. And them all being, all be wrong. I just, I don't see it. It, it can't be that, if, if it can't be that, like, as much of a trick of the mind, it really is interesting. I'm, I'm just not 100% sure how I see it. Cause I don't, I don't necessarily think he's in bad form. I just think it's really weird. That's the thing. It just strikes me as being strange how we can go from, giving the ball away five times in about five minutes to play in a deft touch for Firmino's assist. It's just so strange. And then about a minute later, he has a really... I think it was about five minutes before that he set away from Firmino. He had a much easier pass where he just needed to side-foot it into space and he completely overhit it and it made a mess of it. And it's just very, very strange at the moment how he often... He, can, he seems to be doing the simple things wrong and then he'll do the spectacular things just dead on. And it's just so strange. It really is. I, I don't think he's ever, for me, he hasn't fully recovered from that double blow of getting suspended and then getting injured one after the other. And I just think his confidence, maybe I'm wrong about his confidence, but his confidence has just looked a bit off to me. And that, and as Hazard says, he keeps doing the right things. It's just maybe the way he's doing it. I don't know. It's very strange. All right. So is there anything that anyone wants to add on this topic before we, uh, before we finish up? The, the only thing I would say is sort of, do you think that, you know, some of before the Man City game, as Henry points out, he was doing some very, very good positive things on the left hand side. But do you think that change of uh, position has actually inhibited him? And that's maybe one of the key factors. Um, or, or is it, you know, as we're saying, a case of perhaps confidence because of the events of Man City getting that red card, then getting an injury? And sort of it's it's a mindset rather than a positional change. Maybe. I'm not overly, I'm not, I don't overly jump on that thing because we, I think before he was going to play on the left, we, I think me and I, I think it might have been you and me, Hamza, discussed it either on a pod or anything. We were saying he's actually played on the left quite a bit for Salzburg, I think. And he played there on the left a few times for Southampton. He looked dead good there. So I'm not convinced the left side move is necessarily a problem for him. But I can see why it might be a factor, but I don't think it's a big factor because I think he has played there before and it still gives him the opportunity to burn past players. So it's interesting. Maybe the one, maybe the one thing it does prevent him from doing is potentially sprinting in the same direction, the same way he can't necessarily be as direct because he can't run in the box on the angle, but then Salah manages it from the other side. So it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still rate his season, um, you know, above average. So it's it's a hard one to think of. But obviously, Hamza, I'd like to hear your take on it as well. But maybe it is, as you say, Tom, that that's 
switch and that turn that he can do on the right hand side that he perhaps sort of you have to think again about doing it on the left and yes he's had that position before but to come into Liverpool and be the main man on the right hand side to then switch to being sort of second in command third in command on the left hand side it is a change I think it is a fair point that Henry raises uh, his best season has come being on the right and um, players Whilst, whilst his output is, is similar on the left, a, a preference can make a lot of difference to, to a player. If, if you feel far more comfortable on, on, on the right side, it's going to play in your mind. You're going to act in a different manner. M- playing in a, a sort of mirror position, you, you feel a bit bit strange. I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who's played a sort of left back and then played right back, it's, a, it's exactly the same job, but it just feels different. You're using the other foot a bit more. Uh, there's a different sort of dynamic to it. I think there may be something in that. Um, we'll have to see if he, if he goes out on the on the right side and see how he plays. I, I think that could that's more of a uh, technical or, or or mental thing more than anything though. But um, in in terms of his his overall performances, they they appear down on, on what they were last season. But if he keeps doing the right things, as I think I've said uh, a few a few times already, uh, sorry to beat the same drum. But uh, I'm I'm sure he'll come good. He, he's missed a few really big chances, but had he put those away, I I don't think we'd be we'd be worrying about Marnie as much. Like ah, he, he's he's touched a bit off, but he's scoring the goals, and usually that, that that that's what matters most. As long as you're scoring the goals, someone's really gonna pay attention to what's going on elsewhere. He's doing his defensive work really well. He's pressing really well. Uh, he's working with the team re- really well too. So um, I I think he'll improve over the season. Uh, but yeah, it'd be really interesting to see it, how he would perform back over on the right side. Um, I, I just think maybe there's a, a mental thing to that, and, it, and he may be a bit more comfortable there. Yeah, I agree. So I think well, um, it's going to be interesting to see anyway. I certainly think Sadio can play better than he's playing now, although I certainly don't have any problems with the goals and assists that he's contributing to the side. Cause I think he's contributing more than enough as it is at the moment. Um, so I think we'll finish up there then. Um, Hamza, is there anything you wanted to plug this week? Um... My newest tactical piece is out on the Huddersfield match. And after last week, I wrote a report on the Liverpool finances in terms of revenues. I'm going to do another one uh, on UEFA's landscape football something report. And that, that's actually uh, a lot more detailed, but in a different way. So uh, there'll be a lot of um, financial analysis there. So uh, if people are interested in that sort of stuff, that's probably one to look out for. Okay, and that's... Does sound really interesting, actually. I think I might check it out. Leanne, is there anything you wanted to plug? Yes, yeah, so it's a it's slightly out of date now in terms of the actual match I did it on. Um, but I've written an article over the last few days about the use of VAR at Anfield against West Brom and just looking at sort of the chaos it caused um, with that Salah penalty incident. And also I've got an article that should be out in the coming days about Jurgen Klopp and how this is potentially his biggest challenge as Liverpool boss. Um because of the the role he adopted in the January transfer window in terms of not bringing anyone in to replace Coutinho, sending Sturridge out on loan and how, you know, it's a risk that Liverpool didn't really, really need to take. But if it comes off, it could be one of, you know, right up there with one of his biggest achievements. I know that sounds silly in terms of silverware, but actually this is quite a thin squad and everyone else has strengthened and and Jurgen Klopp has decided not to. So if he pulls it off, hats off to him. Fair enough, that sounds like an interesting article. Um, 
I've written on Divock Origi, um, whether or not he should be recalled. Um, I kind of lean on the sense of, from a tactical perspective, it would be very, very easy for me to sit here and go, yeah, he should be recalled, because if I was Liverpool manager, that's what I would do. But I'm not sure Klopp can guarantee him the minutes he wants, and the most important thing in any rec- rec- like recalling a player is what the player wants. Um other than that, yeah, just keep listening to this show. I know I plug it every week, but I'm I'm really, really proud of this show. Uh, Leanne and I work really hard on it, and we get some fantastic guests in every week, and there's always fantastic people writing on the site. And I, th- I just think it's really good to get people in on in from the site because it gives us, I think it just gives everyone a chance to really get to know how our writers think beyond just their articles. And it also gives them a chance to kind of expand and defend on some elements of articles which aren't necessarily clear or that aren't necessarily you know, what they were necessarily intended them to be come across as. So I think it's always really good to get people on to sort of chat, especially when it's interesting topics like Mane and Sturridge were this week. Um, so yeah, thank you very, very much for sticking with us. Thank you very, very much for coming on Hamza. And we will be back next week. Okay, see you then. Podcast Network.